The Los Angeles Kings have committed long-term to a defenseman, and no, it's not the defenseman you are thinking of. It's one of their own, and the defenseman you are thinking of that they might or may not get still hasn't been traded, so we'll bring you up to speed on both fronts. But we do have another trade involving the St. Louis Blues, and it benefits what some may call Canada's team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Episode 353 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Em Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. I have a feeling things are going to heat up pretty soon, uh, Brett. Uh, lots still to happen as we uh, are about, give or take, two full weeks away from trade deadline day. I think it's just under yep. two weeks away. Uh, but we're starting uh, to slowly get some NHL news coming down the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of it's getting to the heat of it, I guess. It's Also, I was just telling you off air about how... Uh, the fantasy playoffs are starting too, so like I'm getting in the trade yeah. move simply because there's a lot like the trade deadline for like three of my leagues are happening right now today, and so a lot of my so I'm just get, getting in the trade fever basically because of all these like fake yeah. trades <laughs> that I see in my leagues. And now it, like, it's it's interesting because uh, Brett, as you're saying, you're entering the playoff section of your league in my league. Uh, playoff stats count, so we're still into the regular season, and our regular season ends when the NHL's regular season ends in, like, the second week of April. However, once we get past the NHL trade deadline, our waiver wire freezes entirely. You can't pick up people off the waiver wire. You can't drop them. It's not like one of those situations where, like, you can make changes um, up until the end of the regular season, and I think the trigger was, and I was probably the cult, uh, I was probably the guy who did this, is on the final days, I was just like, okay, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, not making the playoffs, I'm going to drop them and get four guys who <laughs> will make the playoffs, even if they don't have as much offensive upside. Uh, so to counter that, a few days after the NHL trade deadline ends, which is, I think for us, Sunday, March 5th, or Monday, March 6th, one of those two days, uh, the waiver wire is going to freeze. You can't make any moves. What you have is what you're stuck with heading into the playoffs. If you have five or six guys that are ineligible for the playoffs because their teams didn't make it, too bad, so sad. The rest of the guys that didn't make the playoffs, that's who you have going into your first-round matchup. So my case is, okay, which players do I want to keep? Maybe to pad the stats a little bit. Which guys on the waiver wire are worth getting? And uh, over the past couple of weeks, I'll... Uh, be uh, having a couple of mental wars in my head over whether or not to keep or drop some of the players because I have Brock Besser on Vancouver. However, he could be moved, so maybe I wait and see what happens there. I also have Pavel Vichnevich and Colton Pareko. The Blues are probably not making the playoffs this year, um, but uh, maybe they have upside uh, in the coming years, right. and maybe it's on different teams to really know. So um, in, in that sense... Um, it's also a crazy time in, in the fantasy world where I'm in. But, uh, yeah, for Brett, obviously every game matters at this point. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's interesting because I have one league that totally stinks, and I'm just hoping to get Connor Bedard, and then I have one You're team You're just looking for futures. You're like the Ducks. It's like, yeah, that, I'll, that I'll, was, go, I'll sell that on the upside. Yeah. That was basically my entire week <laughs> this past week was just trading <laughs> any, like, decent – fantasy relevant guys who I like who are like uh like older than 25 years old and just seeing what prospects could I get and then um and what picks can I get and then um and then I also have another league where I um I my team's doing really well and I um I'm, I'm hoping that I'll win the playoffs even though it's going to be tough um but uh yeah, so it's it's so insane, by the way, that the fact that your your league doesn't have like goes into the playoffs, it's just it's just nuts to me. Whenever you talk about this league, I'm like, it's like I always forget, but then it's just like it's so uh, such a weird thing that I'm like I do remember the fact that the player is like that 
it goes into the playoffs. It's just a it's just a weird thing. I feel like it is weird, but I think it's fun and it's definitely yep. uh, enticing and definitely uh, a situation where anything goes. Yeah. That being said, uh, the defending champion has won the league two years in a row, <laughs> and just based on the amount of roster players that he he's got, like of, I don't know, like a. I don't know how many players are on each team, like right. 20-ish. He has about, like, three guys that maybe may not make the playoffs, and the rest are for sure making it. Yeah, yeah. So he's probably going to win it again. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could see that. It's just more, like, because I, I, I mean, I guess on my best team, pretty much all my best players are going to be making the playoffs, so I get it, um, other than Eric Carlson um, and Roman Yossi. But, um but yeah, I, I guess yeah no, I, I it's just it's just a strange dynamic because that's not like when you think about it when you play, like I guess the team. Anyways, we're getting we're getting too into it. I, it, I was it, just... it, it also does what is ridiculous about it is like yeah. you have a guy like Nick Suzuki, but it's like he's doing right. great, but he's on a very bad team. Right, so right. I guess I'll put him on the waiver wire. Yeah, he's not going to do anything well, for that, me in April. You know? that, that's what I was thinking. It's just like in this league, like. Pavel Zaka, who's doing phenomenal, by the way, but he's, yep. like, probably the eighth best player on the Bruins right now. Um, like, he's more valuable than, like, say, Eric Carlson. <laughs> like, yep. you know? So that, that, just, that part just makes treated. it weird. You never know. Yeah, that, ju- that part just makes it weird. Um, but, um, okay. Um, anyways, on that note... Uh, speaking of tanking and stuff like that, um, the uh, so I, when we announced last week that Chikrin was healthy scratch for quote unquote trade related reasons, and then there was a snafu with the LA Kings. Um, I also had mentioned that uh, Andre Torney, the um, wait no that's not the right coach isn't it oh yeah that's Trini, right. uh, the coach of the coyotes yeah it's the right guy oh it is for some reason i was i think i was thinking of someone else but anyways Tor- i did get the right guy um he he mentioned that this was the like you know he's just gonna healthy scratch chikrin until the trade is made uh so essentially chikrin is no longer going like we've seen the last of chikrin in a kachinka kachina jersey and i'm just like messing up all the time now um and um, and and so we were all expecting that he would be traded any any minute now. It turns out he's not being traded, um, and now it brings into like this question because well, first off, Chikrin has requested a trade for the last year or so, um, so he's fine with just being healthy scratch because this is like you know this is the team doing him a favor basically, um, yeah. but technically. It's not really, like, if, let's say, like, for instance, Gavrikov, who's, like, another, like, uh, defenseman that um, is getting some trade buzz going on, even though, of course, he's not nearly as good as Chikrin, and honestly, I don't understand the whole hype around Gavrikov, um, but, uh, of course, the Bruins are going to get him, and then, of course, Gavrikov will become my favorite player or whatever, but... Um, until then, but Gavrikovs is now being healthy scratched, and he has publicly mentioned that he doesn't like, like, he hopes that a trade better be made soon. Of course, Gavrikov hasn't been, uh, traded yet either. Also there, uh, Friedman made this point, uh, the other day of how, like, teams that, like, yeah, of course the Coyotes have been tanking this entire time. Um, and like just in terms of how they built their roster and all the picks that they have and all that stuff. But, um, but the teams that are playing the Coyotes during this stretch, a lot of the teams are planning on making the playoffs or like are doing that playoff push right now. So you would think, like, you know, you could, uh, he said that a lot of teams outside of the Coyotes are actually like angry about this move because. Uh, it would be one thing if Chikrin gets traded right away, but because they've been so direct about it, you would expect that Chikrin would be traded, um, and he hasn't been yet, and it's just like, it's a direct, like, strategy to tank, basically, for the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I mean, ultimately, if Chikrin was in the lineup, I don't think the Coyotes would have a, a shot at winning anyways, but... And that is my counter. 
Right. And as I mentioned, Chikrin's okay with it. But I could understand if, like, Gavrikov, like, you know, Gavrikov would probably be, um, like, you know, Gavrikov is, wants to play. And uh, he's not playing right now because he's about to be traded, apparently. Um, and they don't want to risk injuring him. Um, so, I don't know. I get. I mean, I guess you could say the same for Chikrin. It's like, okay, he's probably going to be gone before the deadline. But, I don't know. I guess I could see both sides of it. Um, I feel like it is like a... Like, I mean, I know that NHL does... Like, a lot of teams this year are definitely tanking. Um, I guess it's just more like this is a very obvious move to tank. Um, and that part, it's like, it's just like an iffy gray area that I'm not sure um, the NHL should be accepting, I think. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do agree that it's like, okay, well, it's not like Chikrin. Um, when Chikrin was in the lineup, it wasn't like the Coyotes were making a huge difference, but I don't know. I feel like there is some amount of integrity that the NHL should should upkeep. Uh, I mean, they're I guess they're trying to maintain that integrity by changing the lottery a little bit. Yeah. I think there are only two lotteries. True. If you've won X number of lotteries within X number of years, if you win this one, it doesn't count. And I think only, like, I think the bottom 10, bottom 11 teams, I think, are eligible for the right. lottery. So I think at the very least, you're you're controlling uh, the odds of, like, you know, a New Jersey or an right. Edmonton somehow fluking their way into first overall when they don't deserve to. Yeah, but, um, like, so but when you on, start, on like... On that side, I think they're doing better. But when you start to, like, healthy scratch their, the best players, like, that's when it's, like... I don't know. It would be one thing if, like, I, I understand that the Chikrin deal didn't go through with the Kings, so it's like, that, that that actually happened. It's just, like, more of, like, well, okay, then, I don't know. It's just, and then there's also the fact that, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I mentioned this in the email, but I'm sure you saw that Bettman uh, announced that there is no tanking in the NHL. Um, and, of course, yeah. that's something that Bettman has to say, but it's like, that's that's not true. It's like, have you seen Chicago's lineup? Have you seen Arizona's lineup? Have you seen um, any of these Montreal's lineup? Have you seen like any maybe, of maybe the Anaheim's players lineup? the coaches don't take, but yeah. yeah, the people organizing the rosters yeah. uh, that's up for debate certainly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was all. There was also a quote from Clayton Keller because the Coyotes are actually not doing too badly right now, a low key. And Clayton Keller says, it's like, yeah, we've been managing to win. I know the GM is not happy about it, though. <laughs> like, like, he actually took a shot at the GM, but um, which I thought was funny. Um, but yeah, yeah, GM drafted Devin Cooley. If he's a stud, I'd be careful with that. Yeah, no, I don't know. But, it, like, I mean, it, it was just, I mean, I, I think there's, like, something like some a guy like Clayton Keller like, yeah, he has, he takes pride in, in his team, so it's like, even if you're losing a lot of games, you're like, alright, but like, you know, he's obviously still very good, even on a losing team, so there, there is something to that. Anyways, um, I just wanted to mention that, because we, we did talk about it, but we didn't talk about it from that angle of, like, I guess it is tanking, technically speaking. Um, anyways, um, Mikey Anderson... Uh, got signed uh, to a um, a eight year deal worth four point one two five million, um, and you're probably wondering who is this Mikey Anderson guy, um, and the answer is uh, he's a shutdown D, uh, pretty much, um, and he uh, he doesn't he actually like there is a reason why you probably haven't heard of him because he's the shutdown D, um, and uh, he has, I just pulled up his stats, he has 13 points in 57 games, but 122 hits and 93 blocks, um, he, uh, he's, and, and 21 minutes of ice time, and, you know, I think that's, like, a good, like, for shutdown D, that's, like, one of those things where you don't, like, if you've never heard of him before, 
that's probably a good thing because uh, it means that he's not making many mistakes to be noticeable and he's not like you know he's not being an offensive guy um it's a little bit much um especially with long term and the fact that you know it's it's like 4.125 for a shutdown d that's a little bit pricey but at the same time you know shutdown d's are hard to come by especially because he's 24 years old um so um so yeah, if he helps the team, even if he's not as noticeable, that that's totally okay. Kind of reminds me of like a Brandon Carlo type or a Matthias Samuelson uh, type type deal. So um, so I, I I think it's I think it's a good move, but um, but yeah, it's um it's a it's a move. <laughs> so um, I feel like this is kind of remember when Matias Samuelson signed that uh, long-term extension yep. with the Sabres and yep. he was paired up a lot with Rasmus Dahlin and Rasmus Dahlin was having breakout season after breakout season and it's happening again I kind of feel like Mikey Anderson is that guy where it's like he takes care of the defense so his partner can thrive offensively yep and if you look at the guys that he's been paired with in uh, the first quarter second quarter and third quarter his most common d partner has been drew dowdy and uh sean dursey was his third most common uh, d partner in the first quarter uh, in the second and third quarter uh second most common and sean dursey speaking of defensemen uh, that have uh, really stepped up to the plate uh 29 points in 54 games for sean dursey that's uh for an 82 game pace 44 points pretty pretty decent and Drew Doughty, I know $11.5 million is a bit of an albatross in terms of current contracts, uh, but he has 37 points in 56 games, which over 82 games is a 54-point pace, which, you know, when you consider some of Doughty's best seasons, around the 50 to 60-point mark, that's also pretty decent. And Doughty is logging up a fair amount of minutes. Mikey Anderson is logging just under 22 minutes. Brett, as you said, second straight year where he's posted at least 100 hits. This will be his first season where he posts at least 100 block shots as well. He's not meant to be an offensive defenseman. He's probably going to be a Mark Mathaw type of player. And he's only six foot on the nose, 195 pounds. And back in 2017 was a fourth round pick. Again, this is where good scouting uh, comes into play. The Kings drafted this guy way back in 2017. That's six years ago in the fourth round, 103rd overall. 1999 born 23 years of age once this deal ends he's going to be in his early 30s uh so you're going to get the best years out of mikey anderson on this contract and you know what for a shutdown defenseman i think it's a pretty good bargain especially if they get jacob chikrin if they need a reliable d partner for chikrin maybe just maybe mikey anderson could be a guy that uh, fits into the picture somehow. So yep. um, I think a very proactive move uh, for the Kings. And, you know, especially if he continues to elevate his game, maybe that price tag would have been a bit higher in the offseason. So I think they're good to get it done. And he turned that one-year, $1 million contract into a long-term yep. stay in California. So good on Mikey Anderson. And I think uh, the Kings are going to be happy with this uh, moving forward as well. I think they're really going to benefit. Well, well, what's interesting is is that uh, so he played fifty seven games last year and he's played fifty seven games this season now. So he's about to yeah. overcome that games played total, and he had one hundred and thirty three hits last year. This year he has one hundred and twenty two hits, um, and ninety three blocks. Because when you said like, oh, he had a hundred hits last season as well, I was like. Wait, so, like, I was thinking, like, maybe he, he has improved on that. But, yeah, he had 133 hits last year in the same amount of games. Um, and this year he has 122 hits. But, um, yeah, I guess it's – but, like, he has 93 blocks as opposed to last year he has 69 blocks. As well as, like, his, his points were slightly up. Um, he had six points last uh, – sorry, eight points last year um, – and 13 points this year so um so yeah it's like i mean yeah you're right you, you don't you don't fully expect him to be like like a drew dowdy all of a sudden but 
Yeah, I think just for a shutdown guy, this is this is a good deal. It's just like they're not as flashy as guys, but I don't know. I guess four point one is still a lot, um, especially for a shutdown guy, um, and exp- like and an eight year deal at that as well. But but yeah, as you're saying, it's like those guys are hard to come by. So um, so when you have yeah. them, you I mean, you look at a guy it. like Eric Cernak, and he's making yep. the big bucks. He's also not a Drew Doughty. But he makes hits and he blocks shots yep. and he does both very very well. Yep. And he averages around 19, 20 minutes a game. So, so yeah. He, he if you do your job and you do your job well and you play your bit for the team, uh, especially with all of the young prospects. Here's the other thing: they have a lot of young prospects in the system, and uh, the Coyotes were supposedly calling in one of them, Brant Clark. He's a future offensive defenseman. Uh, I think uh, Tobias Bjornfoot is another guy in the yep. minors who's developing. Maybe he is a future offensive defenseman on the Kings this year, too. There are guys that aren't Bob on this Blair. team yet that could be future offensive defensemen, but what they really need is is shutdown defensemen, as seen in their goals against totals. Yeah. The team defense needs to be rock solid moving forward, and if Mikey Anderson can be that guy that holds everything together, that's awesome. Yeah, they also have uh, Jacob Mouvrier and um, yeah. and Brent Clark as well. Um, although Brent Clark's going to be more of an offensive defenseman, but and Jordan Spence is another one too. I think he's more of an offensive defenseman True. as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, they have a lot of a plethora of defensemen. It's almost funny. They it's have like, a lot of great young talent everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like well, name one position where they're not. Yeah, like I know. It. But, like, it's funny. It's like, this is the team that was going to make a move on Chikrin. It's like, oh, right, they have a they, ton they of... They still might. <laughs> yeah, they still In might. In fact, they probably will two hours after we're done recording. They probably that's will. That's usually Of course, of course. Um, okay. So now we get to the bigger trade. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, of course, I'm talking about Tyler Mott going to the Rangers. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, Tyler going Mott... Going back to the Rangers, second and stint, know, by the way. I know, I know. Uh, Julian Gauthier and 23 7th round pick going to Ottawa. I didn't realize that he was even on Ottawa to begin with, but yeah. Um, anyways. He, he uh, was, uh, I think he was close to a point of game player early in the season, but then I think yeah. injuries got in the way and uh, yeah, yeah. he hasn't really been uh, it, too much of a fixture in the lineup because of those injuries yeah, and then yeah. everyone else got fired. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, a very good, reliable bottom yeah. six penalty killing forward, a guy the Rangers could use. Uh, of course, I was joking, uh, but like I, it was just when I'm looking at cap friendly, it's like I I just see the recent trades and I'm like, oh okay, right. And, and you had mentioned this before the show that there yeah. was this trade that happened. But um, I, I will also give Pierre Dorian full credit. He took Tyler Mott out of the lineup for trade related yeah. reasons. He was at 9:30 a.m. today. He was supposed to be in this uh, the game against St. Louis as the fourth line yep. left winger. Took him out of the lineup, and within hours he was dealt. Yep. So, you know what? Kudos to you, Pierre Dorian, for not wasting anyone's time. You got the deal done within a couple of hours, and you got Tyler Mott on his way. So, yep. you, good on you for not keeping him waiting. Arizona should be taking notes right now. Um, <laughs> and also Columbus and everyone and Col- else. <laughs> and Columbus as well, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess I, I feel like the NHL is going to crack down on it pretty soon. Um yeah, definitely an off-season topic. Uh, I For should sure. also mention Darren Dreger was on TSN 1200 Ottawa Radio. It sounds like teams are calling uh, the Sens about Cam Talbot. Uh-huh. I Personally, I'd be okay if Ottawa traded him if I knew that, as a Sens fan, we were getting a veteran goaltender coming in uh, to help finish out the season. So, like, an anti rant I mentioned before, but also right. Jonas Corpusalo from Columbus. If it has to be a separate trade, fine, I don't care. Um, but that's the only way I'm okay with moving Cam Tal because the idea of a rookie tandem with Kevin Mandelis and Matt Sogard, I don't care how good they are, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I don't like that one bit. Uh, the other question is going to be, if you trade away Cam Talbot, uh, who's going to be uh, going at it with Forsberg uh, for the number one spot in the rotation uh, next season? Because you look at if you look at the free agency period when it comes to goaltenders, you know you have some gems, but you also have guys like Freddie Anderson, who I would argue are more injury prone than Cam yep. Talbot, and also in their thirties. So uh, I hope Pierre Dorian has a plan in mind when he heads into free agency because 
Uh, if he's not rolling with Sogard, I don't know what veteran goalie he plans to pick up, or maybe he makes a ballsy trade and decides, hey, maybe Mackenzie Blackwood could yeah. be something, maybe, I don't know. So, yeah, um, I, I'm interested to see who uh, Forsberg's uh, right-hand man is going to be uh, for next season. Assuming, of course, he gets healthy because he still has to recover from that very right, scary right. Um, but yeah, just uh, something to chew on there for all you Sense fans out there. I love how I just game. threw that trade aside and expecting this to not go about it. And of course, you start talking about the Sense. Like, <laughs> like this is. The I had to throw time. that in there because uh, you know if you're if you're a team that's looking for a depth goaltending, yeah. if Cam Talbot's available, he'll probably be at the top of the list. So I uh, can't point that. Okay, so now transitioning over to the actual topic. Um, yeah, the meat the meat of this episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's funny, I guess this is kind of related, like, because you, you started the show saying that Toronto is Canada's team. Is it like... Supposedly, do you get, do you in get, some people's eyes, Canada's team. Do you I don't get, consider it Canada's team. Yeah, I was about to say, do you get offended by it, or is it like... I'm sure Canadian fans will get a lot more offended by it. Yeah. Right, right, right. But like, yeah, I, I guess for you as a Sens fan, I guess it's like your your understanding of that. But yeah, it does I mean, seem... they're definitely they're definitely up there with Montreal in terms of popularity. Like True. they're everywhere. Well, I, like I, I even saw a Leaf fan in Leaf in a Leaf jersey at Sens Fan Fest. That's funny. I I do at, at Fan Fest, <laughs> and this was after the Eric Carlson trade, That's literally funny. days after. Um, well, I mean, that's understandable then, but, um, but, uh, I, like, I, I mean, obviously I don't live in Canada, but I get the sense that, like, like every single day the media talks about the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's like the, how they treat the Yankees here, um, or the Cowboys here, but it's like the entire country is obsessed with the Leafs. Yeah, it's like the Leafs yeah. postgame continues for like yeah. 10 hours straight after the fact. Which is funny because it's like, yeah, obviously the, the Maple Leafs are really good, but um, but even when they suck, they, they still got a lot of attention. And also oh, yeah. the fact that like they have the best player um, that we've ever seen in the world also on a Canadian team. You would think that Edmonton would get some love now, but uh, no, we, they don't. <laughs> so it's um, it's kind of and and that player is going to be up for a new contract after the end yeah. of next year. I'm sure that'll be relentlessly yeah. talked about this coming off season. It's like they're going to extend Austin Matthews this season to avoid all the drama. If not, we're going to be talking about it all for good years. Like, well, no, uh, no, I, I was talking yeah, about lovely. Connor McDavid, but it's March point oh, can't wait. Well, I was talking about Connor McDavid, not not Matthews, but. Um, no, yeah, but it's it's gonna have that effect in Toronto. Like, just watch. Like, oh yeah, no, that's I, I'm sure. Be, like off season topic number one for sure. Oh no, I, I no, I don't doubt you. I was just saying that like you have the best. Like Canada, Edmonton has the best oh, yeah. player, yeah. arguably of all time. I mean, I guess you can't really say that until he wins a cup. But, um, but the the fact that like he's been the best player in the last twenty years, and um, I mean, not by far. I guess you could make a case that Crosby has been definitely better, the most dynamic. I'd say the most like find yeah. me a player that can do what Connor McDavid does in yeah, terms yeah. of just your skill. Exactly, and um, and yeah, he doesn't get as much coverage uh, because uh, he's not on the Maple Leafs. Um, anyways, <laughs> and also in like a different time zone, like not That's Eastern true. time yeah, as well. Yeah. I feel true. like he doesn't get as much exposure yeah. in like. The other parts of Canada because, but, you know, by then yeah. it's like 10 p.m. when he's on the ice. Yeah, now I can't, like, you know, it's crazy because I know I, I know we're, <laughs> we're going very off track right now. But it, yeah. it is interesting how, like, now I'm just remembering that, like, in 2015 there was, like, you know, obviously the, the Leafs, you know, Mitch Marner is a great player, of course. But the fact that, like, the Leafs could have ended up getting Connor McDavid – um, and that would have been nuts, uh, just from a media coverage standpoint, because it's like the biggest, like the best player. Also, they would have been in the biggest bigger market. NFL if that was the case. <laughs> yeah, they would have been crazy. Um, so, um, anyways, uh, let's talk about the current team instead of what ifs. Um, yeah. 
So Toronto made a big move. Um, of course, they uh, they get Ryan O'Reilly uh, from St. Louis, but uh, uh, St. Louis ends up getting Adam Gaudet, Mikhail Abramov, who's an AHL eller, um, a 23 first round pick from Toronto, a 23 third uh, from that was originally from Ottawa. And a 24... Anything that was linked to the Matt Murray trade, 100%. Yeah, probably. Um, and a 24 second round pick um, from Toronto. Um, there was no conditions, no lottery protections. I mean, I guess Toronto's not missing the playoffs, but it would be funny if, yeah. if that's what and happens. And their pick is probably going to be like mid to late 20s yeah, yeah. at next. Uh, but but it would be funny if that's that ends up being the case, that they end up doing that. Um <laughs> and then uh, uh, there's uh yeah Noel Achari is also goes to Toronto from St. Louis um and Josh Pilar um from Minnesota um so the reason why I included Minnesota is uh Minnesota so I guess what happened uh, technically what happened according to Cap Friendly is St. Louis trades um Ryan O'Reilly to Minnesota that Minnesota retains 50% of it. And then the uh, the Wild, I guess, technically trade um, Ryan O'Reilly to Toronto, and uh, Toronto retains 50% of that. Um, I think I said that right. Uh, so right, St- so I'll, 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 I'll confirm it. So St. Yeah. Louis retains... Three point seven five million of seven point five million. Seven point five million is around right. cap it. So they retain fifty percent. Then out of the remaining fifty percent, they send that to the Minnesota Wild, who out of that final fifty percent retain one point eight seven five million dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's twenty five percent of the remaining fifty percent. And then they send the rest of that money to Toronto for it to count against their cap. So Minnesota retains 25%. Toronto gets 25% of the full 100% of O'Reilly's contract. And then the final 50 is taken care of by St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I think I said that right, but (laughs) whatever. Um, also, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit it's complicated. complicated. You have to look at the cap-friendly yeah. individual team pages, look at the dead cap, and yeah, you'll yeah. see how much exactly every team retained. Yep. Um, and um, also Minnesota gets a 25 fourth-round pick from Toronto to complete the three-way trade. Um, yeah, so so this is uh, an interesting trade. Of course, Ryan O'Reilly uh, won the Stanley Cup as the captain of the St. Louis Blues. Um, in 2019, uh, begrudgingly, but of course he was very good um, in the Stanley Cup Finals and that entire playoffs as well. Um, he had, um, let me look here, he had, uh, I, I thought I saw it here. Oh, right, right. Um, yeah, he ended up with 23 points in 26 games um, in those playoffs. So so that was good, obviously, um, and he, he um, I think Toronto gets him in hopes that they can compete with Boston and uh, Tampa um, in the playoffs, um, and, you know, I, I noticed that I think they had, um, I didn't see the game last night, but they had Ryan O'Reilly play on the wing to John Tavares, um, and I was thinking, like, that's kind of interesting because Ryan O'Reilly is a better face-off guy than John Tavares is. Um, so, so that kind of is, it's interesting to see how they like manage the lines now. Cause of course you have Matthews once he's back and healthy, um, you have him there, but like, like, I'm just curious how they're going to manage a Ryan O'Reilly with John Tavares because Ryan O'Reilly is also like, he's a better face-off guy, but I guess it's like, if you're putting Tavares on the third line, it's probably not worth it. But the other thing is, is that. Ryan O'Reilly, um, this year for St. Louis, he had 19 points in 40 games. Um, I know I don't like plus minus, but I only mention it when it's like a staggering number. Um, he has a minus 24 for St. Louis, um, and that's that's not good, um, especially for someone who's known for his defense as well. Um, 
And so that, that kind of is a little bit interesting, of course. He also has, but on the other hand, he has 36 takeaways to eight giveaways. He's always been like, a, like you know, he's been good in that type of statistics from takeaways and giveaways. So, so there's that. But, um, but this is like, you know, this is a, a down year for him uh, this year. Um, and um, of course, he's still always good at face-offs. Um, and that's something that you'll need. And he has that playoff presence that um, that Toronto doesn't have, but Tampa and Boston do have. So there is that element of like, okay, this this could help Toronto go over the hump. Um, and yeah, so so I, I think there is an element of like, this is just clearly just a way for Toronto to see what, um, what like you know hope, in hopes that Ryan O'Reilly can kind of like come back to uh, what we expect him to be. Um, so, so yeah, I don't I don't actually hate this trade so much for Toronto. I can totally understand why they did it. Um, but I guess it's like, and I, I know I guess well I'll I'll get your thoughts on this in, in, in a second. Um, but it's just um, it's just interesting that. Um, that like they're they're getting like a guy who has playoff experience, um, and we know that he is um, he is able like he's a capable person. He's a different player in the playoffs, and that's why they traded for him. Um, so so yeah, I'll be curious to see how it goes. As a Bruins fan, I'm not as threatened. I thought that like if they had gotten Chikrin or if they had gotten Timo Meyer, I probably would have been like uh oh. But with Ryan O'Reilly, it's like yeah, I know he's like. You know he beat us in the past, but it's like I don't know the fact that he had he's had a down year for St. Louis so far. It's like I don't know if it's necessarily you're getting that type of player. So that's that's the only risk involved in this type of trade. It's like if uh, if Ryan O'Reilly is actually what he was can get back to form like he was in 2019. So we'll start with the. Ryan O'Reilly stuff while we're on it. Um, his final three games with the Blues, he got a goal against Arizona. Uh, then in his next game, he also got a goal. And then the game after that, he got an assist. He was a plus four combined in those three games. And that goal against Arizona that he scored ended up being the game winner. And then very first shift with the Maple Leafs, uh, he was buzzing. That entire Maple Leafs team was buzzing for the first five minutes. Poor Montreal couldn't get out of their own zone. Uh, Jake Allen was being swarmed by a herd of bumblebees in front of his crease. Um, and the Canadians were just in pure survival mode. And if that's what Toronto looks like, they'll be fine. And people are going to point to Ryan O'Reilly. He's like, oh, but he's injured, though. He's... That you know, there's a, you know, there's like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves right. are also hurt. But like, he's also hurt. First of all, um, when they traded for Nick Foligno a couple of years ago, he had a back issue. That's tough to come back from. Uh, Patrick Kane is battling a hip issue that might require surgery to get it 100% fixed. And Jonathan Taze is apparently suffering from long COVID symptoms, yep. and he is out indefinitely. So uh, there's a lot of question marks there. Ryan O'Reilly is a broken foot, much different than all those other three injuries. And he's looked pretty good the past week or so. Yeah. And that game against Montreal, I have all of those worries gone. He looks fine. And uh, to uh, your point about Tavares and O'Reilly, it could be a situation where O'Reilly is centering that line and Tavares yeah. maybe plays on the wing. Steve Dangle alluded to that as well. Yeah, so. I mean, I guess, I mean, you know, they have time to figure out how how it's going to It's a happy really. problem to have. Yeah, yeah, know? exactly, exactly. Um, I but mean... The, the, to fact, be the set, fact of the matter is you're getting a guy that can win key face-offs. Yeah, you need that in the playoffs. Fair. Big face-off win. Defensive zone face-offs. Two-way ability. Uh, he's a playoff yeah. performer. Like you said, he's one of Con Smythe. He's beaten the Bruins in a game seven in Boston. Yeah. Toronto's ultimate curse. But, like, what more do you want? And then you get a former Bruin in Achari who's beat you before. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, here's the thing. If, if, if you don't use all that black magic to win a Stanley Cup, you might as well be cursed at this point. Here's the thing. Uh, the Leafs aren't going to be playing the Bruins in the first round. They're going to be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
<laughs> in the first round. So they have to like still it, a tough yeah. test, but yeah. again, same same but, thing. Yeah, like, no, I know, but like, I mean, yeah, and of course, it's like you have to like like this should help them beat Tampa, um, but like you you know you have to get to a, a game seven <laughs> to to do that. Um, so, so it's like, you know, it's not just how you play against the Bruins. You have to like, it's how you play against the lightning. Cause those are two of the toughest teams in the playoffs, uh, when they roll around. So, so that's, that's, that's the other thing there. Um, it, like I, I'm joking when I say this, but it, it is kind of funny how, um, Nolachari is a part of this trade and they like, not only did they trip him. In the 2019, the refs didn't see it or whatever, quote unquote, see it, um, and um, but uh, but they also treat him to the Leafs. It's like, what did they do to Nolachari? It's like, come on, man. But um, but of course, it's like um, I was sneaky hoping that the 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 Bruins would get Nolachari. Although apparently there's reports that the Bruins are in on Ivan Barbashev, um, which would be interesting. So that would be. That would be that. Uh, that be that would be a typical Bruins move. Yeah. like a low key depth guy that could oh, be like I would love that. he could have like a Charlie Coyle type oh, of offensive yeah. impact and go on a deep run with them. You know? Yeah, yeah, I would love that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think I think this was just mostly a move just so that uh, they can like keep up with the Lightning and the Bruins. Um, yeah, if they get that, hundred percent. Yeah. So the, the other thing is. Yeah. So the other thing is they didn't trade away Matthew Nice. The yep. guy that everyone's just like, don't trade away Matthew Nice right. in any big trade. Don't don't trade away this guy. He's going to be good. Yep. Even though we're not 100% sure what he's going to be like because he hasn't turned pro yet because he's in the NCAA and we don't really know what his ceiling is as an NHL player. We can only assume that it's high. Yep. And you also have Topi Niemela still in the system. Ronnie Hervinen still in the system. Yep. Nick Robertson is at some point hopefully going to make an impact with the team. They still have him as well as all of the other young talent that we've seen. Pontus Holmberg has gotten a couple of tastes of NHL hockey, mm. and he's looked good at times. So they still have a lot of the youth movements still there, and all they gave up was some draft capital. Like I said, that first is only going to be, at best yeah. case, you know, mid to high 20s in the upcoming NHL draft. That's, that's not bad. They also give up a second and a third, as you mentioned. But, I mean... With the with the win now mentality that they have, you can't afford to be concerned about you know who you might be picking in those spots yeah, yeah. and who you might be missing out on. Uh, Vitaly uh, Abramov or or uh, Mikhail Abramov, I got the two mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mikhail Abramov is, I think, a B prospect, but not the best prospect that they have. So I think if you're parting ways with him, that's not the worst case scenario. Mm. Adam Gaudet is a good AHL player, but fringe NHL experience, probably a bottom six forward, maybe in the right situation, a second line guy. But again, you're not 100% sure. So I, I think for the return that they gave up, it, it, it wasn't that bad. And again, it doesn't hurt their salary cap too much to the point where, and we'll talk about this later, they might not be done. Yeah. But getting to Minnesota and St. Louis is part of things, because I really wanted to mention this as well. Yeah, we're, we're about to talk about St. Louis, but yeah. Yeah. Doug, Doug Armstrong needed to go into the trade deadline with a plan in mind to get some young assets and also clear up some cap space while doing so. Either way, Tarasenko and O'Reilly, in my opinion, were as good as gone after the season ended. Yep. So this way you at least get something for them. So in return for Tarasenko, Mikola, Achari, and O'Reilly, the St. Louis Blues got a pair of 2023 first-round picks in the 20s or 30s on top of the first round pick that they currently have. Mm -hmm. So they have three first round picks now. A decent NHL roster player, a B-rated prospect, a second, a third, and a fourth that most likely turns into a third from the Tarasenko trade. Yep. The St. Louis Blues can use those three picks to help with the youth movement and inject some much needed youth into the current roster. Or 
they can use some of those picks to potentially trade up and get someone a bit higher in the draft. Yeah. Or even weaponize that cap space and those three picks to get what you need to upgrade the roster if you really want to go down that route. So I think in terms of making the most out of the resources that you had, Doug Armstrong did a pretty good job. Yep. And there's still Ivan Barbashev. He could get some good value out of him. Minnesota, I wanted to quickly look at because this is very interesting. When you consider at the beginning of this year, they couldn't give Kevin Fiala what he wanted, so they traded him for futures to the LA Kings. Mm-hmm. And yet, when they need a center, maybe not like a Ryan O'Reilly, but a center uh, Ryan O'Reilly to maybe to maybe pair with Kaprizov, right? Yeah. That's that's been a need. And they already have the Suter buyout and the Parise buyout lingering over their heads. They don't necessarily have the ability to, you know, take on any contracts. Why the heck would they be willing to retain nearly two million of Ryan O'Reilly's salary just so we can play with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah. And not only that, but help a divisional rival out. Like, why do you care what the Blues are gonna do? Well, well, why do you care what they have to gain. Well, this is no sense. this is more to drag Ryan O'Reilly out of the division, but yeah, <laughs> it's not like technically it is helping them out, but I think it's more of like when it's like the 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 Blues are the sellers in this scenario, so it's like they're helping them out. But it is a little strange because they they also famously don't have a ton of cap space. So it is like strange yeah. that they're the third team that's involved in this. And of course, like Toronto doesn't have a ton of cap space. The Blues, I'm just looking at their cap space issues. They still, even after trading uh, Tarasenko and O'Reilly, they still have 1.1 million of cap space now, um, even this year, which is kind of odd to see. But yeah, true. It's, but it's, they do have a lot of expiring oh, yeah, contracts. Yeah. And, and they probably, you know, like, Tarasenko wanted out. It seemed likely that Ryan O'Reilly wanted out as well. So it's like, it, you know, writing what's on the wall, and at least they get something for it. And, yeah, I think it, it's it's kind of cool that the, the Blues were able to to accumulate all these, like, first-round picks because um, I guess they're essentially just giving up on the air. They also just lost to the your Ottawa Senators. Um, yeah, and to badly. As seven well. <laughs> to two, yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of six nothing in the third period, yeah, yeah. In terms of the Blues' uh, perspective of this trade, um, yeah, I think it's like yeah, you 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 have a good point. They did get a lot out of Tarasenko and O'Reilly. I think they got ended up getting a little bit more for O'Reilly. Like Adam Goddard, I I still like him, um, but yeah, he's probably more of like an AHL lifer type player. and who knows with Abramoff, although apparently like Abramoff didn't have great stats in the HL last year. Um, so he might just, you know, but you never know with these, these, these guys. So uh, I, th- I think the, the bigger thing is all the picks that they ended up getting. Um, and that's, but, and the other thing with that, that uh, you mentioned should. with their cap space yeah. is they saved $9.125 million in yeah. those two deals combined despite retaining half of Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly's contract. Yeah. So once those come off the books in the off-season, that's where they're really going to notice the cap space, yep. kind of, yep. sort of. Um, and also, funnily enough, so they ended up getting Sammy Blaze in that Tarasenko trade. He had zero goals in his um, team, uh, time with the Rangers. He ends up getting two goals um, when he comes back to the St. Louis. <laughs> uh, so it's pretty funny. Um, I think he has two goals in three games or something like that. Um, and then also, as I alluded to, there are rumors that Barbashev's also on the way out as well. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping the Bruins end up getting them. He would be kind of perfect for, for the Bruins um, as a depth guy. Circling back to Minnesota real quick, and I promise you it ties into the St. Louis thing. Okay. I'm interested if the Blues and the Wild team up on a different trade because, as you know, uh, over the past couple of years, yep. Matt Dumba's name has been encircled in oh. trade rumors from time to time. Okay. And, you know, there is a chance that Minnesota might do something to help their center position or uh, improve elsewhere. Yeah. Let's say this is a situation where Bill Guerin scratches Doug Armstrong's back and Doug Armstrong uh. in return is going to stra- going to scratch Bill Guerin's back. God. I doubt that happens in the offseason because... The Blues will probably want to weaponize their cast base then. 
But leading up to the trade deadline, if Minnesota wants to do something, maybe Bill Guerin says, hey, we helped you with that deal before. Are you able to retain some salary for us to get this deal uh, done? I, I it thought, would not shock me if that happened. Just I like, thought... I thought you were alluding to the fact that Matt Dumbo would go to the St. Louis Blues. I was just like, that doesn't make sense. They at have all. enough defense, <laughs> yeah. so I think Dumbo would be going elsewhere. No, 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 that, that's that's why. That need, that's why. Also, would be the third man in. No, 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 I, I get that. That well, that's why I was confused originally. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. If if it's a similar type deal, I guess that could happen. But I don't know if that's necessary. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna look like a five D chess nerd if I'm exactly. actually right on this. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, um, so we mentioned this as well that uh, Drager feels like the Leafs aren't done. He tweets out, "Leafland is buzzing as it should be. Senses Dubas isn't done, which emphasizes an emphasizes an all in approach. Kerfoot." Question mark, Engvall, question mark, Holt, question mark, Camp. What collateral does Toronto use for another move? Very curious to see if ROR is a, um, a 3C or if there's a big league experimenting on the wing, which is what we ju had just mentioned about the wing stuff. Um, th here's the thing is, like, they could go out and get Patrick Kane. They could go out and get Timo Meyer. They could get Jacob Trickren. But the thing is, is that they've already, like, they don't have a lot, like, they don't have their first-round pick anymore. They can't really, like, you know, other teams, when you're going to trade Jacob Chikrin or if you're going to trade Timo Meyer, or if you're going to trade Patrick Kane, you, they're, like, those three teams are going to want a first-round pick in the 23 draft. I guess the Leafs could trade their 24 first-round pick and kind of pull, like, what Florida did last year, which is, like, I don't know if that, that's... <laughs> what I'm sure said. that'd be desirable yeah. because they're thinking at some point yeah. the Leafs are gonna suck. Although, yeah, but but like it's it's more like I don't know if you want to model your team after what Florida did because arguably that wasn't a smart idea either from Florida. So so you have that. You did mention that they could trade like Matthew Nice to get it done, or they could trade Topi Niamela, who's also a good prospect. Dennis Hildeby, who they just drafted as well. Um, he, he might be a decent pick. Uh, Fraser Minton, another one. Ronnie Herbin and um, Nick Abruzzi. Um, they, have, they have decent prospects, of course. But, um, but yeah, so, so they, could, they could get it done just based off of, like, prospects and things of that nature. I just don't see it because it's, like, I don't see how they can compete with other teams that are going to be willing to, that could trade more than what the Leafs have, especially since they don't have their first in 2023. Um, so that, that, that part to me, is like makes it a little bit odd. It's like, how, how are, how is Toronto not done? Because it's like, there's like, they are, they lost all their leverage. Yeah. I mean, so I not think to, not to mention to the Leafs, Oh yeah, is, sorry. Is a oh. strong possibility still, but uh, I think we mentioned it in previous shows. Elliot Friedman has it on good authority that the New Jersey Devils have basically told the San Jose Sharks, whatever the front runner offer is, give us a chance to match it. Mm -hmm. Like make us have, a, we want the final say on this. So, yeah. at the end of the day, it's probably going to run through New Jersey, and the Sharks will choose what they think is the best offer for Timo Meyer, and they'll go from there. Yeah. That being said, if the Leafs get Timo Meyer, they're probably going to have to trade away some roster players uh, with significant so. salary ties. Uh, looking right at Justin Hall, uh, that game against Columbus a few weeks ago, exposed. Continuously exposed, and I think that could be a very bad nightmare come playoffs. But There's why... also Michael Bunting, but why would the... who has... Okay, sorry, go on. I didn't, I didn't realize you were done. Uh, yeah. Uh, they also have Michael Bunting, who is a good player, but um, he got picked on a lot in the Columbus game, looked very frazzled, yeah. got sent to the box a couple of times, very uncomposed, and it seems like the refs have it out for Michael Bunting. It, uh, Steve Dangle is going on saying, yeah. 
they I think the refs just can't stand Michael Bunting and he complains too much. And in a doggy dog world, if you yap too much, they'll just ignore you okay. and you won't get the calls most of the time. If guys like Corey Perry and Patrick Maroon see that on Tampa Bay, he's going to get picked on relentlessly, and yep. they know they're probably going to get a power play every time they do that. Yeah. So, in a very pivotal year for the Leafs, present, they can't let that happen. Yep. So it wouldn't. I wouldn't rule out Michael Bunting to San Jose trade as part of a Timo Meyer package. Uh, realistically, if they need to trade away cap, they might trade away Alex Kerfoot, especially with the amount of center depth that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if they don't trade away a first, maybe they trade away to second-round pick and Matthew Nyes. Uh, but I can definitely see Toronto being a suitor for Timo Meyer because even if you don't keep him next year, you can also just trade him for future assets and recoup yeah. some of the youth that you lost. Um, so that's not nothing. Uh, well, so it, it's it's weird that you're. I mean, I, I I guess this is what Steve Dangle was saying, but uh, I I don't see how why the Sharks would even want Justin Holt <laughs> to begin with. Uh, he plays on the third pair. Um, I get what you're saying that like he he cost them uh, the Toronto, especially after you, what you were saying. He's also 31 years old. There's no chance that this would like any team would be interested in, let alone the Sharks. Um, Michael Bunting is a little bit more interesting, um, but having said what you were saying of like how he gets agitated either, that's the same thing. That's a massive red flag. Why would teams want him? Even though he is good, he's still good offensively speaking, but um, I, I don't understand why teams would want him, especially since he's 27. He's not like a young buck, um, even though he did, <laughs> he was in the Calder race last year. I, I don't I don't see why a, a team would want him, um, especially for a guy like Timo Meyer because you you would I'm gonna expect like Timo Meyer is gonna get the biggest uh, haul out of anyone uh, so far um, in this this year um, in this season and Michael Bunting and Justin Hall are not any of them. Matthew Nyes is interesting. I think that's what you would have to do to get it done. Um, or Rasmus Sandin, or T- Timo, uh, Timothy Lilligren, one of the two, I think that could be a nice pickup for the Sharks. But um, but yeah, I, I, I just I just don't see how they how they could it's even possible, honestly. Not to mention the fact that Toronto doesn't have like cap space. They had to like rely on Minnesota to help them out. <laughs> so. Uh, they don't have cap space really, uh, so yeah, I, I don't I don't see how uh, they could get um, a bigger piece. Maybe like when Drigger says they're not done, like maybe he means that they're going to do more smaller deals. There's no chance they're getting Timo Meyer. I I think I I want to like like put like a a big bet kind of thing. Like there's no chance they're getting Timo Meyer. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, and yeah, I, I think uh, it, it, yeah, we'll 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 see how it goes. Um, Steve Dangle mentioned that Max Domi might be a fit yep. for Toronto oh, okay. potentially. I could, I could see that. Yeah, Max Domi would be interesting. Yeah, I could see like a smaller deal like that. Although I guess he could also stir the pot as well as Maroon could. I would. Yeah, yeah. He's that's, a Maroon that's not a bad, type of guy. That's not a bad idea. I just don't see how they would be in on Timo Meyer. Um, or Chikrin, because uh, Chikrin would be a, another one where it's like, I guess, like, because ch- they would want a lot for Chikrin, um, Arizona, and particularly 23 first, but I guess they could take the 24 first, so maybe that's something, but um, I don't know, I guess, I guess just after that trade, I just don't see how Toronto could do it, especially with their cap situation. Um, there's always been rumors that uh, William Nylander is going to be on the, traded. I feel like, but I don't. I think that'll be an off-season move. That would, yeah, exactly. I was about to say. I feel like that would be an off-season move, and also like he's like yeah. their third best player. So it's like, <laughs> why why would you do that? Um, so, um, yeah, it's crazy. I, I'm actually looking here. So cap friendly. If you go to their depth charts, you can see the points per game from every player. Um, and, uh, so Nylander has 65 points in 56 games and Matthews has 57 points in 49 games. 
those, that both equals to 1.16 points per game. So they both, Matthews and Nylander, both have the same amount of points per game, um, which is just kind of funny. Um, so, so yeah, I, I guess that about does it here for us, unless you have anything more you want to say. Um, Another thing I might say is you're talking about William Nylander. Yeah. I wonder if the Blues maybe target him. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense, though. Why? Because the Blues are now in rebuild mode. I mean, it again, as I mentioned to you last week, remember when uh, Doug Armstrong used some of those futures yeah. to trade for Braden Shen? True. If you yeah. wanted to go down that route where it's like retool the roster a little bit, you look at their left-wingers right now, it's Sammy Blay on the top line, Barbashev on the second line, for however long he's there still. Right. Matthew Highmore on the third line and Torpchenko on the fourth. Yeah. Nylander's better than all of them. Yeah, so, but, but that, that's more of like a signal, like, I don't think, like, the Blues are going to be rebuilding. Like, they're, they're planning to suck for a couple of years now. Yeah, I I wouldn't so rule like, out the potential of another retool. You might, unless, you might have a case. Armstrong is concerned and convinced it won't work. You might have a case if Nylander was like twenty three or twenty four years old, but he's twenty six years old, mm. which you know he's still like in his prime. But like for a rebuilding team like that, I don't, I don't, I feel like they would be targeting someone who's in their early twenties and not just someone who's in their late twenties. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, there's a year yeah. left on Nylander's deal. If it doesn't work out, you can just trade him for futures later. Yeah, but, like, you know, Nylander's also very good. <laughs> it's just, like, you know. So it's um, it's also one of those things. Um, all right. That about does it here for us on Lace em Up. Um, you can follow us on uh, on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace em Up. You can also subscribe to us if you haven't already on iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, wherever else you get your podcasts. That's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 354 of the Lace Up Podcast.